preach a few minutes tonight from the book of Psalms, chapter number 2. And uh, I really came to preach another message tonight. I was going to preach out of the, the book of Acts again. and uh, But uh, the Lord began to speak to my heart about this tonight. And, you know, sometimes preaching, you don't even know why you're preaching what you're preaching. But, you know, that's the thing about it. I don't have to know. God knows. And he... He sees the big picture, amen. And so tonight, I just want to be obedient to the Lord. Psalms chapter 2, if you're able to stand with us tonight. Psalms chapter number 2. Look with me in verse number 1. The Bible says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying... Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name. God, that you would give us the liberty to preach the word of God tonight. I pray that you'd be pleased. And Lord, I pray that you'd be exalted. And I pray, God, that you would have your way in this service tonight. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice in Psalms chapter 2 that there is four people that is speaking in this psalm here. In verses 1 through 3, there is David who is asking these questions. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And so David, obviously being the author of this song, or the psalm, is, is speaking in these early verses of it. And then uh, there is God the Father who is speaking in verses 4 down to verse number 6. As the Bible said, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. The, then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and them with his sore displeasure. And so God is speaking in these verses here as he says in verse 7, I will declare the decree or verse 6, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. So David is speaking and the Lord is speaking and, and God the Son is speaking. And if you look in verse number 7, he said, I will declare uh, the decree the Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen uh, for thine inheritance inheritance unto the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. And then finally when we get to verse number 10 uh, down through verse number 12 uh, the Spirit of God is speaking as there's instructions that is being given here. He said be wise now therefore O ye kings be instructed uh, ye judges of the earth. And, and when you think about this psalm it is interesting because uh, in what each one of them has to say uh, in this psalm they give instructions and, and there is instructions 
instructions given here for me. There's instructions given for you. But, but really, this is a political psalm. You could say that it is the most definitely a prophetic psalm. Uh, uh, but it has to do with the judges and the kings of this earth. Uh, we notice that in verse number 2. The Bible said, The kings of the earth set themselves together. Uh, the rulers take counsel. Look at verse number 10. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. And, and so it is a prophetic psalm uh, talking about the last days, but it is also a political psalm. And, and when you think about this political psalm, look at verse number 1 again and notice the heathen's anger here. He says, why do the heathen rage? Amen? I mean, that's a good question. Have you ever looked on the news or read the paper and asked yourself, why does the world, why do they hate God so much? Amen? Uh, why do they hate Christianity? Uh, why do they hate the things of God so much? Why do the heathen rage? Amen? Isaiah says three times in his book uh, that there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And they sign peace treaty after peace treaty, yet the world cannot find peace uh, because they do not know the prince of peace. Amen? And so the heathen, uh, we see their anger and we see their attitude. Notice the Bible says in verse 1 that the people imagine a vain thing. Now, the word imagine is the same word for meditate. Uh, and it's not just a crime of passion that we're going to, uh, to read about in this text here, but it is also a crime of purpose. Amen? Uh, what I mean by that is that they're coming together in this psalm of these political leaders, uh, and they've got an agenda. They've got a purpose in mind. And we'll notice that agenda in verse number 2. Notice their appointment, the kings of the earth. They set themselves. Uh, and that word set literally means to take one stand. Uh, uh, listen, they're taking a national position in this psalm here. And so we see uh, their, uh, their appointment and we see their agenda. The rulers takes counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Amen. In other words, the kings of this earth, they have come together and they have taken counsel together and they are against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, that anointed is Jesus Christ, amen? But in the day and hour that we're living in, they're not just against Christ, uh, but they're against Christianity and they're against Jews, amen? I think you can see that very clearly in this world. Uh, who would ever have thought that so many people, that anti-Semitism would be on the rise so much in this hour that they hate God and they hate God's people and they hate our Savior tonight uh, and they hate Christianity and it's not just friend of the people but it is the kings uh, and the judges of this earth. Amen. And so we see their agenda and then we see their aggression. Look at verse number three. They say let us break their bands asunder. Cast away their cords from us. These bands and these cords, uh, you know what they represent tonight? They represent res the restraints. Uh, they represent things that, that, that hold them back and that have tied them down. Uh, things, like, uh, 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 things like the word of God, amen? And holy living uh, and things like churches uh, and morality and those that are standing for right. Uh, I'll tell you what we are in this world. Uh, uh, Jesus said we're the salt of the earth and the light of this world. 
world. I'll tell you what salt does. It irritates, amen. I'll tell you what light does. It exposes the dirt and it exposes the darkness and it expels the darkness. And this world doesn't like God and this world doesn't like the church and this world doesn't like anything that reminds them of God. They don't even like to retain God in their knowledge. And Psalms 2 is about the kings of this earth and the rulers of this earth forming a coalition and coming together with an agenda. My friend, to go against the Lord, his anointed, and the people of God. Amen. So we see the heathen's agenda. If we look at verse 3, we see the aggression. As they said in this verse, let us break their bands asunder. Let us cast away the cords from us. Let's do away with anything that reminds us of holiness and godliness and let's get rid of anything that that reminds us of decency and morality. Doesn't that sound familiar today? I want to say in this text tonight that God makes it very clear. He reveals his indignation in verse number four. Just hang with me because I'm headed somewhere. He reveals his indignation. Look at verse four. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Notice the derision. This is a scornful laugh. Why? Because of the foolishness of these kings. Uh, he talks about the displeasure in verse number 8. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. God is angry with all the lies and the scandals and the covers up. Uh, he's, dis- he's displeased with the hypocrisy of political leaders in this text that are coming together and thinking that they're going to over overcome him and overcome the the truth of the word of God and we see that it reveals his indignation in the displeasure and then in the decision notice what he said in verse number 5 as he said then shall he speak unto them in his wrath God is angry with them to the point that in verse number 9 he says he's going to break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel he reveals his indignation He reveals his intention. Look at verse 7. He said, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto thee, unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Verse 7 declares the decree that no matter what this world says, God is going to commit every judgment unto the son. I'm going to tell you who's going to win in the end. It's going to be Jesus. I tell you who's coming in the end. It's going to be Jesus. I tell you who's going to annihilate every king and every captain and who's going to annihilate every army in the end. It's not going to be me. It's not going to be you. It's not going to be the church. It's going to be Jesus. Amen. Revelation 19 and verse 11, John said, And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he to judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and upon his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And the Bible said the armies uh, which followed followed him from heaven were clothed in white linen and clean and the word of God said that out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he treadeth the winepress of the fiercest and wrath of almighty God and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords I'm telling you who wins in the end my friend it's not America it's not Russia it's not China it's not Germany it's Jesus hallelujah he's coming thank God and he's going to put an 
end to it all one of these days. Amen. We see his decree. We see his design in verse 8. He says to him, Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. We see the Lord's dominion in verse 9. As he will break them with a rod of iron and dash them into pieces like the potter's vessel. Revelation 19, the battle of Armageddon really won't be a battle at all. The world will show up and Jesus will annihilate all the heathen. It'll be the end of the battle. And we see his indignation. We see his intentions. But I said all that to bring us to verse 10 tonight for just a few moments. I want you to see his instructions. Look what he says. Be wise now therefore. Notice this, who he's talking to. O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. This is a psalm that is speaking to the political leaders of our day. It is a psalm for me and it is a psalm for you. But in this psalm, he lays out the last days. He lays out what's going to happen. He tells us the agenda of the wicked. He tells us the victory of Jesus Christ. And then he comes to an end here in verse 10. In these last three verses, he gives some biblical instruction for political corruption. I want to preach on that a few minutes tonight, on some biblical instructions for political corruption. We're living in a day when I don't have to elaborate. The corruption politically is at an all-time high. It doesn't matter tonight, and it does in one sense, but I think you understand what I'm saying. It really doesn't matter which side of the party it's on, uh, whether it be Democrat or Republican. I think we can all agree tonight that as far as we're concerned, for the most part, they're just one big liberal party with an agenda, amen, uh, uh, to get rich and for world power and to dominate and to, re- and to take away and revoke every freedom and liberty uh, that we've got in America. And I thank God that I grew up in a day when men of God would take this old black back book and listen, they'd burn their hide up and they'd preach against sin and they preached against politics and they preached against corrupt leaders, amen. But we're losing that in this hour. We've got a noodle back generation coming up of preachers that listen, they're so afraid to say something politically. But we are in a mess tonight and I know that my friend, the hope is in the church and the hope is in us. Uh, but that doesn't alleviate us from the responsibility of still calling sin out and preaching at it, my friend, on a personal level. But we ought to preach it on a national level tonight. We ought to not be silent in our pulpits about all the liberal and the political corruption that's taking place today. My friend, we're seeing things tonight in our nation that sickens God. My friend, abortion is at an all-time high. And we got politicians tonight that are more interested in their pocketbook and their political career than the unborn babies. Willing to let them be murdered and willing to, to murder them at any cost as long as it helps their political career and their financial gain. God will hold them accountable at the judgment seat one day. That my friend, the blood of every baby that's ever been murdered will drip from their fingertips because they legalize this murder in this nation. And God help the same blood that will drip from their fingertips will drip not only from the fingertips 
fingertips of politicians, but it'll drip from the fingertips of preachers that will not say anything about it. I'm telling you, abortion is still murder. It is still murder tonight. It's always been murder. It is still murder tonight. And we ought to still preach against it. Amen. There was an old saying years ago that if you make your bed, you have to lie in it. God help anybody that would get pregnant out of wedlock. But God help anybody that would murder a baby because of their sin. Amen. And God help anybody that say, well, I'm not ready and I don't want a baby. I'm telling you, life begins at conception, amen. It begins at that very moment and baby has a heartbeat. And I'm telling you, God will hold this nation accountable for the murder of the unborn, amen. What about the sodomites, my friend, that are now given all these rights and now given the liberty and the freedom, my friend, to push their propaganda and, uh, listen, if they want to live that way, help themselves. Uh, but brother, it makes my blood boil tonight uh, when they want to indoctrinate uh, little children with a perversion. Uh, and I'm telling you, God help politicians uh, that would pass any bill tonight uh, that would let little children learn that perverted mess. Uh, I say somebody ought to preach against it. Somebody ought to say something about it. It's wicked. It's ungodly. My friend, it's just abominable tonight. When they'd let a drag queen come into a kindergarten class and read a story to them, that's perverted tonight on every level. You got to be sick in the head to even go along with that. And you got to be sick in the head to to not want to stand against it tonight. I still believe in decency, don't you? Morality. Whether God made men and God made women, he made male and female, the Bible says, and God never intended for a man to be with a man or a woman to be with a woman. God said that is an abomination, friend, and my abominations are never taken away. They're a stench in the nostrils of a holy God, but now we got a so-called president that has bragged because he has the largest sodomite cabinet of any president that has ever served. I'm telling you, we are in trouble tonight. Our nation is in trouble tonight. And we need to pray for our nation. But if there's ever been an hour when men of God need to preach against the sin of sodomy, it's in this hour. You see, tonight, there's probably not a family in this church that's not been touched by the gross sin of sodomy. And if it's in your family tonight, my heart goes out to you. You could have a loved one tonight that is a sodomite. The only hope for our generation to turn it around is for us to preach against it. If we ignore it and act like it's not there because it is a... Who made it a highly sensitive subject? Not me. Not us. They made it a highly sensitive subject. They want to call it hate speech tonight. They want to say you can't say that anymore. Well, our mandate is bigger than their mandate. Amen. 
I don't care if it hair lips the whole crowd. I'm preaching it till I die. Can I get an amen right there? That's right. I don't care if it's amen or old me. It's still sin. It needs to be plowed up like it was yesterday. It needs to be preached on every level. And our children need to grow up knowing that's the sickest sin in the nation right now that's going on. It's nothing more than pure wickedness. No one is a female trapped in a male body or a male trapped in a female body. You're who God made you to be. You got one creator and his name is God. And he's high and he's holy. And he brought you into this world and he gave you the life and he made you who you are and don't listen to some wicked politician or some liberal my friend in some college somewhere or in some schoolhouse. listen to the word of God tonight the sin of these political leaders that call evil good and good evil that want to silence the pulpit and silence the pew and that want to shame us into believing what we've always believed, that it is somehow wrong because now it's every man does that which is right in their own eyes. But I'm telling you, and we're headed somewhere in this text here in just a second. I'm here to tell you God is going to have the final say. God is going to have the final laugh, if you will, in that according to this text. And they're going to give an account. But until then, we must keep on preaching against it. Gambling is still wrong. Playing the lottery is still wrong. Adultery is still wrong. Husbands, love your wives, not somebody else's. That's what the Bible says four times. I want to say tonight, corruption on every level. And if politicians were held accountable tonight, more accountable, we wouldn't have the mess we're in. But it is a reflection of the complacency and the apathy that has infiltrated our churches today. That's why we're in such trouble, amen. But God, he reaches out to these politicians in this text here. Even though they're going to be annihilated, he gives them instructions. The same instruction he gives to them will apply to us. What is the biblical instruction for political corruption? Number one, look at verse 11. It's reverence the Lord. Look what he said. He said, serve the Lord with fear. Tonight, we need to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. A person is a fool not to listen to the word of God. You're a fool tonight if you walk out and say, well, I don't like that kind of preaching and I'll never come back here again. It's just straight in the Bible. I'm just telling you what the word of God said. It's not my word tonight. It's God's word. And and the Bible said we're not just to serve God, but we're to serve God with fear. That doesn't mean we're to look over our shoulder and be afraid of God because God is not sitting in the heavens tonight waiting and wanting to punish us. He loves us. He cares for us. But we're to serve Him with a reverential fear. That means that that we ought, to, we ought to have fear of God when it comes to certain things. We ought, to, we ought to reverence the house of God. We ought to reverence the book of God. We ought to reverence the things of God. We ought to reverence His name. We ought to reverence, my friend, the opportunities that God gives us. We ought to live our life by reverencing the Lord. In the society we live in today, they want to teach our young people You don't have to reverence nobody. You want to talk back to your parents, you got as much right as they do. That's what they teach them. 
I'm glad I was raised in a generation that if I talked back to my parents, they would knock every tooth out of my head that was in it. Amen. Wouldn't have even flinched when they did it. That's too much for some people to swallow because they've read too many emails and they've watched too, or they've read, uh, you know, they've read too many, uh, you know, higher education books. And so, uh, you know, you're a little pale right now because you think that's wrong. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, look at the generation we was raised in and the one before us and check your generation out. You tell me what worked, friend, the proof's in the pudding. Amen. I'm telling you, when daddies had belts and mamas had hickories uh, and they raised them on coffee tables with the word of God, uh, I'm telling you, listen, this country had more revenue for the things of God even those that wasn't even saved amen I tell you they threw the Bible and the belts and the hickories away and now the parents are on Prozac and the children are on Ridley and nobody knows what to do with nothing anymore I'm telling you when I was a boy in high school boys drove pickup trucks amen and they had 12 gauge shotguns hanging in the back and nobody thought about going into high school and using one you know why because teachers carried paddles and we respected them and reverenced was on the it was on the scale full level. Amen. It's not that way no more, is it? You look at your children cross somebody called defects on you. Amen. I'm telling you, we're raising a demonic generation. Some kids, you know what they need. They don't need counsel. They need their tail tore up is what they need. Are y'all still with me tonight? And God gave them a place with some extra padding. And you ought to have prayer with them. And you ought to not whip them out of anger. And you ought to never use your hand. You ought to use an instrument. Amen. Come on now. It's all in Proverbs. I'm not going to do a Bible study on it tonight. But go home and read it. And God said this. God said if you'll do that, you'll deliver their soul from hell. You don't ever whip your child and you let them just talk back to you and resist you and say whatever they want to and disrespect you. I'll tell you what's going to happen when the Holy Ghost comes to their pew one day. The same way they've resisted you, that authority that's in their life, they'll resist Him. You don't know why young people come sit through sermon after sermon never raise their hand that they're lost. And I'm talking about people just, they don't care. They weren't taught to respect authority. You know, even to this day, I mean, you let a, you let a police officer, I mean, I can be driving, it's rare, but I can be driving the speed limit. You let a police car come up beside me and all of a sudden, man, I mean, I'm straight, you know. Like, give me that seatbelt, praise God. I mean, I'm, I'm checking everything out. What is that? It's a flashback to childhood. Being taught to respect. I mean, my parents told me, you don't do right, I'll not only whip you, but that officer will take you to jail. <laughs> We're taught respect. Taught to respect your teacher. Taught to respect your neighbors. To say yes, sir, and, and yes, ma'am. Taught to... You had one mouth and two ears. And to not always be rattling, not to always be speaking. You say, what is that? Reverence. Go to the house of God. Taught to take care of the property of the church and and taught to not run. You children, listen, not run in the church. Not run in the church. Not, Not run 
in the church. Right? Taught to reverence the Lord. Take care of God's house. You see a piece of paper, pick it up. Put something back. It's not my job. Just do it. Reverence the Lord. Then he said rejoice in the Lord. Look what he said. Here's the instruction. Rejoice with trembling. Reverential fear, but but reverential rejoicing. I tell you, when we go to the house of God, it ought to not be casual. It ought to not be uh, everything dumbed down. I'm telling you, listen, uh, the house of God is a place to be respected because it's a place to worship. Uh, And when it comes to the Lord, we ought to reverence the Lord, but we ought to rejoice with trembling. Amen. I tell you, we ought to take our worship seriously. We ought to take serving God seriously. Uh, Somebody said, well, you don't have to wear a tie. That's not in the Bible. When you get up to preach. I know it's not in the Bible, amen, but it just says you take it a little more seriously, amen. I'm telling you, when you go to the house of God, you ought to wear your best. I don't know if you come from work. I understand that and I appreciate that. You come into the house of God on Wednesday night and you work clothes, amen. I appreciate every bit of that. I'm not talking about that. I'm telling you, when you come to church, y'all not look like you're going to a ball game. Y'all not come, my friend, just dress down and say, well, I just want to be comfortable. No, you ought to come to the house of God and you ought to worship seriously. Amen. Take worship serious. Take the house of God seriously. Focus on the Word of God. Focus on worship. Amen. I like to laugh in church. Sometimes it helps me if you'll laugh even if you're not thinking it's funny. Just go ahead and hypocrite. So why do you want to, because, I mean, you ever tried getting up here? A little smile every now and then kind of helps me if it don't help you. But I don't want a preacher to be a clown. I don't want to go to a circus, somebody say man. I don't want to go to church and it just be, you know, I mean, just a big, I mean, there ought to be something about it. That when it comes to worship, we ought to rejoice with trembling, amen. We ought to sing them songs with all of our heart. A man of God ought to preach and be sober-minded when he preaches. I'm telling you, our testimonies and everyone was good, and I thank God for that. But I'll tell you, they ought to be centered around the Word of God. We ought to take worship seriously. I mean, we have a time to come together, and we ought to take serving God out there and our worship, our devotional time. We ought to take it seriously. That's the instruction. Reverence the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And then look what he said in verse 12. Receive the Lord. Kiss the Son. Notice this. Lest He be angry and you perish from the way. Most politicians, no matter how vile they are, Democrat or Republican, when they finish their, their lives, I mean their speech, when they get done, they like to close it with, and God bless America. But the Bible doesn't say kiss the Father. It says kiss the Son. Why does it say that? Lest he be angry. You know why that's so important? Because the Father's committed all judgment unto the Son. The one that's judging these people in this chapter is not the father. It's the son. He said, I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. 
I want to tell you what most politicians will do. They will say, God bless America because that can be Allah or that can be Muhammad or that can be any God. I'll tell you, if they say Jesus Christ, uh, there's an uproar in the headlines. Uh, There's an uproar. You know why? Because this world hates the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, They don't mind you saying God. Kiss the Father. Kiss the Father. Kiss the Father. Why? That doesn't upset them. uh, But when you kiss the Son, you know what that means? Uh, You've identified yourself. You've identified yourself with Christianity which says there is only one God and He is Jehovah. That there is only one begotten Son and that is Jesus Christ. And it sends this world in a tailspin because they hate Jesus and they hate God. But if they had any sense tonight they would receive the Lord. That's what a kiss is, isn't it? When you kiss one of your children, you're receiving them. You kiss your spouse, you're receiving them. Don't you thank God we don't live under that custom where it says, greet thy brethren with a holy kiss. I've had a few people try that, but it ain't happening. (laughs) Amen. I'm glad we don't live under that custom no more. But a kiss is receiving someone. You know, Judas kissed Jesus with a kiss of betrayal. I think it was... Adrian Rogers said it was like fiery hot coals of hell on the cheeks of our Savior. But Jesus allowed him to do it. He received Judas even though Judas never received Jesus. Receive the Lord. And then finally, I love how this psalm ends. Here's the last instruction. Rely on the Lord. He said, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. You know, this is a a psalm of of wrath, anger, judgment, battles, and destruction. But when you get to the end, God hung a blessing on it. And he gave that blessing to the redeemed. He said, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. No matter what happens, you can go back to verse 1. The heathen can rage. They can imagine vain things. The kings of this earth, they can take counsel together. The rulers can take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. They can say, well, let's break their bands asunder and let's cast away their cords. And God will sit in the heavens and laugh. And I'll tell you, it'll all come down to an end where he's going to break them into pieces and rule them with a rod of iron. And you can read that whole thing and say, man, this old world, that's this world we're living in right now and it's turned upside down and God said yes but I want to put a blessing in here there's one blessing in this psalm and it's to all them it's not just to a few it's not just to one nation or one generation but it's to all them that put their trust in him hallelujah and I'm glad tonight even with all this political corruption God has some biblical instruction that tonight we can still be blessed. How many of you tonight, you don't have to raise your hand, but you could say amen to this. You could say tonight you've been blessed in 2023. God has been good to us. When I, I don't even watch the news because I, I, I mean, I'd be so mad I couldn't see straight. I just don't watch it. I don't read nothing. Every now and then I'll catch a little something. For about two minutes, that's about all I can stand of it. I don't even watch anything. But if you was to watch it tonight, it'd just drive you nuts, wouldn't it? So I'll tell you what I can do. I can read that book tonight. No matter how dark this world gets, no matter how crazy it gets, 
There's a place here on the side of the road that God gave us that we can come and, brother, we can worship tonight. We can pull away from all the craziness and all the things that's going on on the outside. We can pull aside. Young people tonight, think about it. God's put you in a good place. Who would have ever thought in 2023 you could still be sitting in an old-fashioned church hearing the King James Bible preached in a place where there's still convictions and standards and people that, who would ever thought God would give you parents and want to take you to a place and set you, and where we still have Sunday school. Thank God. Amen. Amen. And where we still have church on Wednesday night. Yes. And we still have church on Sunday night. You're sitting in church on Sunday night. Think about this. Your parents brought you to a good place. And it's not good because any of us here. But it's good because God's here. And with all this world in a mess, uh, you can still as a young person say, I was raised under the umbrella. And I'm being raised under the umbrella of old time religion. I'm not a stranger to it tonight. Uh, I go to a church where somebody raises their hand. Everybody doesn't think they want to ask a question. But we know what it means. Uh, we know that people are not ashamed to worship God. They're not ashamed to praise God. Hey, God's put you in a wealthy place. He's given you a good place. I'm telling you, God's blessed us in this hour when this nation's turned upside down. We still got a church. We still got a place. We can still worship God. He's been good to us. Hallelujah. Bless His name. I say glory to God. I say hallelujah. Bless His name. He's good. He's good. He's been real good to Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. And all these years later, His presence is still here. Hallelujah. That He's still here. Well, you don't suit everybody's fancy. But it don't really matter to me tonight, does it you? I'm glad God's been good to us. I like sometimes when you invite people to church and they get a little nervous, you know. And they'll say, now, your church, is it one of those um, hellfire and brimstone churches? I like it when they say that, don't you? I say, oh, yeah. I went to the chiropractor a few years ago and he asked me that question. He said, now, what kind of preacher are you? I said, well, I'm the God-called preacher. He said, you want him hellfire and brimstone? I said, that's why I'm here. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I did tell him, and I said, yeah, I threw my neck. I'm I'm just just kidding, sir. He said, people shout at your church? I said, oh, yeah. I said, you never know when one of them's going to shout. We don't have to hang our heads tonight. And I'm going to tell you something. People have more respect for you when you're kindly, and I mean be kind, But when you kindly, without apology, when they see you're not ashamed to be identified, they have respect for that. You know why? Because they're searching. This world's searching for something that's real tonight. They may not all go our way, but they're wondering and they're looking. And I want to tell you tonight, God's so real, isn't He? And this thing's real. Brother Danny, how many years have you been saved? Fifty-two years. And he's still real, ain't he? He's probably more real today 
than it was 52 years ago. Isn't that good tonight? And I'm glad God's given us such a place to come together and worship tonight as we stand. Our country, we need to pray for America. If you love America, pray for America tonight. I don't know if you need to come to the altar, but I've felt a burden to preach on revival this morning. Revival in our church, revival in our home, revival in our hearts. And I don't know, I just felt a burden tonight for our nation. Our politicians, our leaders, we don't hate any of them tonight. They, many of them need to be saved and some of them are saved and trying to take a stand. We need to pray for them tonight. But we need to pray for our nation, don't we? We need to pray for this country that God wants to give. We need to pray that in wrath God remember mercy. We need to pray that God would stay His hand. And we need to pray for men of God and for churches that stand for the truth that they'll continue to stand up and be counted and called upon that preachers will preach the truth without the fear and favor of man. Father, bless this invitation tonight. Do what needs to be done. And we'll thank you for it while we sing. If you need to come.